the teaching ministry of Judah Olorimaye, a man called of God to compel consecration, provoke repentance, and inspire worship by the preaching and teaching of God's word and the miraculous demonstration of God's power. God's word is about to hit you as life and strength. Get ready for an encounter with grace. Explain and experience the concept. Hallelujah. All right. Let's read one, two, go. Pause, pause. Okay, let's wait for some people. Some people don't really pick it up very quickly. Remember to participate. That's the key. That's the key. It doesn't come cheaper than that. Let's read the scripture. You read. It's often as simple as that. Often. Very simple. And it goes a long way to establish what the Holy Ghost communicates. It's just a reading you think. In the reading, strange things could happen. So when you hear, let's read, you read. Don't assume it's just something that we are doing before the preacher preaches. Uh Uh-uh. In Holy Ghost services, everything counts. Somebody sings a song, it counts. Somebody reads a verse, it counts. Somebody preaches a word, it counts. Alright, let's read one, two, go. Times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me. Jerusalem and all Judea. Our Samaria and to the end of the earth. The emphasis this morning is verse 8 and the second part of verse 8, which is, You shall be witnesses. I will be teaching on what is titled Witnesses by the Spirit. Witnesses by the Spirit. Let's quickly pray. Holy Spirit, we trust that you are ready for us, here for us. Mighty amongst us. And as we look into your words for a few minutes, let there be signs and wonders to affirm the truth of these scriptures in the name of Jesus. Thank you, because we will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Witnesses by the Spirit. I think that everybody will agree that Jesus lived a remarkable life. Even those who are not Christians, if they check out the history books and they consider what was written about Jesus, we can easily come to the conclusion that his life was remarkable, wonderful. I mean, his life is a wonder. His life is something that everybody should aspire to replicate. Jesus lived in a way that his apostles were mesmerized. His followers were, I mean, always aloof. They were always amazed at what he did. Not just what he did, but also what he said. I mean, after his resurrection, he had an encounter with a few of his disciples. They were disciples from a distance. And they were talking about him. They did not know he was the one. This is in Luke chapter 24. Luke 24 and verse 19. But they were describing Jesus. And they said he was a man mighty. Mighty in words and in deeds. Mighty in actions. Mighty in speech. That was the description 
that the apostles or the disciples gave Jesus. In preaching the gospel to Cornelius, Peter, describing Jesus, in Acts 10.38, says that God anointed this man with the Holy Ghost and power. And he went about. Everywhere Jesus went, he was renowned for something. He went about doing good. Healing all that we were oppressed of the devil. Because God was with him. That was what Peter um, told Cornelius about Jesus. But listen to me. If you look at the Bible alone and define Jesus or rate Jesus or score Jesus, it will be a remarkable score. It was perfect. All that he was supposed to do, he did. And he did excellently well. But there's a scripture that is very interesting in John 21 and 25. John 21 and verse 25. It was the last verse of this conversation, of this book. It says, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Which if they were written one by one, if we were to write everything that Jesus did one by one, I suppose that even the whole world itself could not contain the books that would be written. We have four major books that describe the ministry of Jesus on earth. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I mean, if you read through the pages of those books, you see how amazing Jesus was. No doubt. But the writer here says, what we wrote down is just a summary. What we wrote down is just one thousandth of the real thing that Jesus did. If we were to write and document everything he did, the entire world would not be able to contain the books. Jesus was remarkable. I mean, every day was a miracle. Every week was a wonder. Every month was amazing. People who were following him were never bored. You can't be bored around Jesus. There's always something to behold, something to marvel at, something to be amazed at. That was how he gathered the crowd. The crowd didn't just gather around Jesus out of a religious loyalty, just because Jesus threatened them to come to church or threatening them to behave in a particular way. No. I mean, there was something worth following, something worth seeing, worth, something worth observing in the life and the ministry of Jesus. However, well, after three and a half years of active ministry on the earth, Jesus left the earth. He resurrected from the dead, and then he ascended. That's what we read in Acts chapter 1, just before we get to verse 7 and 8. He, or rather, after verse 7 and 8, we see his ascension into the heavens. The people saw him ascend. It was not a dream. It was not a vision. It was not a trance. He left. But if you study the scriptures, you will see that it was not the intention for God, or it was not God's intention, that the works of Jesus would stop just because he ascended. Jesus had a remarkable life, a mind-blowing ministry. His works were amazing. It was not the intention of God that those works would stop just because Jesus ascended. So in John chapter 14 and verse 12, put it on the screen, Jesus said something to his disciples. He said, those who believe me will do the works that I do and even greater works, especially because I am living. I'm not going to be here forever. Jesus knew he was not going to be here forever. He knew he was going to spend three and a half years. It was not a shock to Jesus. He had been teaching and training the apostles all that while so that when he eventually leaves, they would continue from where he stopped. He that believes in me, the works that I do, he shall also do. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. So, go to my Father here refers to the ascension 
And Jesus was saying, the work will continue when I go to the Father. The intention of God is that there is a sustaining, a continuing of the works of Jesus by those who claim to be followers of Jesus. One of the reasons Jesus had disciples or apostles or followers is so that they can continue his work. When he leaves, when he ascends, they will continue where he stopped. Look at it in Mark 16 and verse 16 to 20. Mark 16, verse 16 to 20. Now, by the way, if you examine all the closing statements of Jesus, whether Matthew 28, um, Luke 24, um, Mark 16, or John 21, there are closing statements of Jesus you can check. You would notice that there was a sense of continuity. In Matthew 28, he gave them the great commission. He told them to go and preach. But look at what he says in Mark 16, verse 16 to 20. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And this sign shall follow those who believe. So, signs shall follow those who believe. In my name. Everybody say, in my name. Alright, so in my name here refers to in my authority. And I'll explain the implication of that statement. They will cast out demons. And that's what Jesus was doing when he was on the earth. He was casting out demons. They will speak with new tongues. We don't have any document that affirms that Jesus spoke in tongues. But let's go on. Verse 18, they will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick. Jesus was healing the sick. And they shall recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. So this particular writer explains to us the ascension. Jesus was received into heaven and then he sat down. But guess what? And they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord walking with them. So if you read in verse 19, it suggests Jesus went to rest. But Jesus did not go to rest. What he did was to set in motion something that will work on his behalf. Something that can work on his behalf on the earth while he is in heaven. The Lord walking with them. And this was the work confirming the word. So it was the word that was confirmed. Confirming the word through accompanying signs. Jesus knew he was going to leave. He set up a structure that will continue his work. Jesus is not resting as it were. He's not idle. Although he has ascended, what he did, although he has ascended, what he did was to set up disciples, train disciples, and give the disciples something they can use to continue where he stopped. Jesus will not be satisfied. Jesus will not be impressed if his ministry stopped at his earthly existence. It will be a failure. They say this, and I'm sure you've probably heard it before, that success without a successor is a failure. Have you heard that before? Have you heard that before? Okay, if you haven't heard it before, it's a common leadership quote. So, work for three and a half years, remarkable. This, what an applause, impressive. But that was not the idea. The idea was to set a pattern for others to follow after such that 2,000 years after that three and a half years, the works of Jesus continue. Centuries after that three and a half years, the work of Jesus must continue. So all the display of power, all the display of glory and of love and of mercy was towards the end that the apostles will watch him and then pick it up from where he stopped, continue. When they also end their own ministry, they will hand it over to people and they will continue. The works of Jesus must continue. But why is this so? And this is not just something that is peculiar to the ministry of Jesus. We notice that Moses handed over to Joshua 
Elijah handed over to Elisha. And on and on like that, you see many examples of people continuing the work that they began in God. Judges chapter 2 and verse 10. Let me begin to narrow in into the emphasis of my teaching this morning. Judges chapter 2 and verse 10. This will give us a clue as to why God believes in continuity. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, the word gathered to their fathers meant that they died. Sometimes the KJV uses very interesting phrases to describe death. Gathered to their father does not mean they had family meeting. It means that one coup, they be buried in the burial ground of their father. Gathered to their father. <laughs> Another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. And so after Moses and after Joshua and after certain leaders that were put in charge of representing God in the eyes of the people, when those ones gathered to their fathers, that is, they died, a generation was born that did not know God. A generation was born that had no clue about the mighty works of God. They did not know that God parted the Red Sea. They did not know that God did mighty miracles in Egypt just to ensure that Israel came out. They did not know that the river Jordan was parted under the ministry of Joshua. They had no clue about God. They heard there was a God. Perhaps they thought that there was a God, but they did not know Him. They were not intimate with Him. They were not familiar with His works that He had done for Israel. And this is the chief cause of generational idolatry. When you see a people who are not serving Jesus, not serving God, not living in the ways of God, it's probably because it's not their fault. They did not meet God. Maybe their fathers met God. You know, some of our fathers, some of our grandfathers look at us and say, what kind of Christianity are you practicing? Because the God that they serve, you see some of them say, the God of 1930. Have you heard that statement before? The, the, the God that they know of, that they're familiar of, he seems like a different version to the one that you seem to be serving. I wonder, is it the same God? But it's not our, our fault. You know, it is the God that we know that we will serve. At the point in 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah <laughs> discovered that Israel was serving Baal. Israel was serving Baal. I'd like to quote and reference the exact verse in verse 37 to 39. I'd like to see a few phrases here. Israel was serving Baal. I mean, Baal was an idol, a dumb, stupid, dead idol. And this idol received all the allegiance of the people of Israel. They would go and be bowing to it. An idol that cannot talk. An idol that cannot prophesy. An idol that cannot do any miracle. And they were bowing to it. But it's not their fault. That was the God they met. So they were worshipping Baal. And so in proving that God was God, that Jehovah was God, Elijah had to demonstrate something. Hear me, O Lord, hear me. That these people may know, now look at that phrase, that these people may know that you are the Lord God. If people don't know that Jesus is Lord, it's not their fault. Look at the following conversation, and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifices, and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, Everybody says, saw it. And so, they saw something. You can't tell people to worship God when they have not seen any proof that is God. You have seen pastor, you have seen holy, you have seen man of God, but you have not seen God. They won't, they won't worship God. People worship churches, worship structures, worship 
men of God. Because I've not met God. When you meet God, the competition ends. Uh, you see Baal, Abi, you see Jehovah, you see Jesus, Abi, you see Muhammad. When you meet God, the argument ends. The argument ends. So he says they saw it. And what happened? They fell on their faces. There was not a worship concert. Nobody was on the keyboard. Nobody was singing. Nobody asked them to lift their hands. Nobody asked them to follow their faces. They saw God. And boom, the reaction was automatic. In heaven, there will be no choir master. Why? We will see God. You can't see God and be doing Boros Alpha, Boros J. Huh? Why people talk like that? They have not met him. You see, uh, this person is always worshipping. Maybe he's always worshipping because he has seen him. He, the reason he's always lost in worship is because he has seen him. You know, when John saw Jesus in Revelation chapter 1 and fell down as one that was dead, if you observe John from a distance, you wonder, why is he falling down as one that was dead? Killory. But if you saw what you saw, you will fall down as one that was dead and you will not recover. You know, he even stood up. They stopped him to say, stand up, John. You, you may not even recover. You may just from there enter your rest. <laughs> so when I see people mocking those that are ecstatic in worship, I say, it's not your fault. When I see people mocking those that carry Jesus on their head, it's not your fault. It's because you have not met him. And our job is to introduce you to him. Our job is not to call you carnal or irreverent or you don't fear God. I remember that growing up, we used to say quite a number of things. I remember that my secondary school proprietor, or was it even the owner of the school, I think, used to have morning devotions with us sometimes. No, I think afternoon devotions on Fridays. And uh, he, he, his method was always to bully us to reference God. He would tell us that we must close our eyes so that we will not see God. I would assist God would die. And that was his own way of bringing us into submission and orderliness. Don't close your eyes. You want to see God. If you see God, you will die. But maybe we should have seen God. If we saw God, in fact, it would have been better for us. He wouldn't have to bully us or force us or threaten us. When we see the one that we are worshipping, of course, it wouldn't be reasonable that... Uh, the description of seeing God there will be to see him in all his majesty. That one can knock people out. But then the point is that when a generation forgets that there's God, behaves like there's no God, don't blame them. Just introduce them to God. Elijah showed up and said, God, show them that you sent me. Show them that you are the real God. And then he called down fire from heaven and then the people saw it and they began to worship. Now, I'm saying all of this because we must understand that the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is referenced in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, is not just a gift to be enjoyed. Many people talk about the gift of the Holy Spirit for personal enjoyment. Oh, the Holy Spirit will protect you. The Holy Ghost will teach you. The Holy Ghost will help you. And all of that is true. But fundamentally, the gift comes with a responsibility to be a witness. Everybody say witness. The idea is that because Jesus was leaving the earth, he wanted his works to continue. He wanted the next generation to experience the works of Jesus. So, whatever was responsible for his works, he packed it, packaged it, and gave it to his disciples and said, do the same thing I did with the same power that I used. So when he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, he did not leave them in doubt as to the purpose of the power. I believe that we are a very power-seeking generation. Many Christians are seeking for political power. They have joined APC. No problem. Many 
people are looking for financial power. Deuteronomy 8, 18 says it is God that gives you power to make wealth. Many people are looking for power over their enemies. The villages or the witches in the village and the witches in their father's house and the enemies of the great grandfather's house. Because you know, I want today. But when Jesus spoke about power, in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he brought a responsibility to it. He said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and then you shall be witnesses. God always needs a witness in every generation. When a generation forgets that there is a God, when a generation forgets the true picture of God, God sends a witness. I say, go and demonstrate. Go and show them what I am like. That's what it says in Judges 2. You see, subsequently we read several men and women who were described as, by the Bible as judges. Deborah was one of them. A woman of God. Samson was one of them. Um, Gideon was one of them. Jephthah was one of them. All of them came in a time where the people did not know about Moses, Red Sea, wilderness. They didn't know anything about that. So everybody was doing what they liked. When people do what they like, immorality, perversion, when people are disorderly, it's because they have not seen God. The sight of God brings orderliness. Orderliness. When people, you see, when Israel saw God in the wilderness, it's, it's, it's regulated their behavior. It's regulated their actions. The sight of God, and many of the things that God actually instructed the people of Israel to do, was for memorials, witnesses, and remembrance. He will ask them to observe certain ceremonies and say, when your children ask you, why are you doing this? Tell them it's because when God brought us out of Israel, he brought us out with a mighty hand and he asked us to put blood on our doorpost and the, the angel of death passed but did not touch us. God wants consistency, sustenance of his character, his power across every generation. In this generation, we need witnesses. Many Christians are practicing Christianity without this understanding that the essence of the Holy Ghost is to be a witness. Everybody say again, witness. When you hear witness, what comes to your mind? Now, for me, speaking without the experience of a preacher, if I hear witness, I probably think of preaching the gospel, doing evangelism. Do we understand? There's a group called Jehovah Witness. What do you know them for? They go about knocking people's door, sharing some booklets. My mother was a very good customer of their books. Their books are very scientific, very informative, but also very occultic. And uh, I've had a few encounters with one of them. One day I heard my pastor in Lawrence spoke about <laughs> his experience. One of the things that the Jehovah's Witness do not believe is the power or the person of the Holy Ghost the person of the Holy Ghost. They don't believe in few things. That's why they are not considered Christians. I'll have to teach you this so that you can recognize what a Christian is or a Christian is. Uh, some days ago, a political activist was talking about polygamy and I saw that many Christians don't even know simple things. Don't even know simple things. You don't even know who is a Christian. Someone does not believe Jesus is God and you are listening to him. You are sharing his post. You don't know that person is not a Christian. He doesn't believe in the divinity of Christ. So we have to establish fundamental doctrines of... You cannot... You, there may be different doctrines. Don't wear trousers. Don't wear earrings. But there are some fundamental ones that makes you a Christian. The Jehovah's Witness don't even believe in hell. <laughs> but one of the things they don't believe is the power of the Holy Spirit. So 
All of my pastors was having a conversation with them. And the, the argument was getting too tough. His name is um, Minister Samson Obembe. So when Obembe saw that the matter is becoming above words, he said, oh, I just demonstrate that. He said, just say this after me. The Holy Spirit is not real. Just say it. As the guy was about to open his mouth, he noticed he was already shaking. So say it. Say it now. Just open your mouth and say it. Ah. And the guy said that the heat was becoming too much and he was sweating. He carried his book and left. You see, we talk too much because we are not enough witnesses. We are not... We are not when, okay, I was trying to define what a witness is. When you hear witness, most times you think about somebody going to talk. Come to my church, preach. Okay, that's a dimension of witnessing. But that's not the ultimate sense in which the dictionary or the Bible describes a witness. Now, if you are familiar with law terms and law phrases, you would know that a witness also can speak about somebody who has an evidence or who testifies about an event. In concluding a case, judges often listen to witnesses, especially when there's no sufficient first-hand evidence. If somebody was accused to kill somebody and it was done in a private place where nobody saw it, and somebody now comes and says, I'm a witness, although nobody saw me, but I was there when this man killed this person. That person will come and testify. When you come and testify and do testimony in church, we were not there when God healed you. But when you testify, we can understand what happened when God healed you. Do you understand what I'm saying? So a witness testifies. But that word is not just about what you do with your mouth. Because the phrase witness is more of being a person than a person doing something. A witness is who you are fundamentally, not just what you see. So, to understand the concept of a witness, let's try and examine the ministry of Jesus. Why was Jesus doing what he was doing? All the things Jesus was doing, what was he doing? We see that it was actually, Jesus himself was a witness. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5. Revelations 1 and 5. This is a description of Jesus and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. When Jesus came to the world, people did not have the proper perspective of God. They saw God according to the perspective of the Pharisees. The eye for an eye God, truth for a truth God. And although that was certainly something that the law of Moses taught they did not understand God. They misunderstood God because they misunderstood the law. So when Jesus came, he had to redefine God. He had to say, well, this is what you have heard about God, but this is who God is actually. So Jesus was a witness of God. The people did not know God. They didn't know God. They didn't have access to God, so they couldn't see God. When he came in flesh, he became a witness of God. Such that you can look at Jesus. Jesus told Thomas, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Because all that Jesus did was a witness of the Father. Or to the Father. Okay, so in answer to 1 verse 8, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. The essence of the Holy Ghost coming is not just to empower us for financial 
independence or to help us over powers of the enemy. It's to enable us, energize us to be witnesses. And a witness, like I said, is first about who you are than what you say. But by definition, a witness is someone who gives or presents an evidence. Or you can say a witness is an evidence. A witness is a proof. A witness is a sign. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be evidences and you shall be proofs and you shall be signs. Let's see how that word is used in Acts chapter 1 and verse 22. Same word, witnesses. Let's see how it's used in Acts chapter 1 verse 22. When we consider other usage, we'll understand what it means. Beginning from John, from the baptism of John, so that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. One of the salient points of the gospel that I taught you is the resurrection of Jesus. And the apostles eradicated the gospels, they preached the gospel, and one of the central themes of their message was the resurrection. Unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, in that day, when Jesus rose from the dead, the Roman government claimed that it was a lie, that some of the soldiers were bribed, and that the disciples came to steal the body of Jesus. So one of the things that had to be re-echoed over and over again is that, no, Jesus rose from the dead. He even appeared to me. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul explains all of that, that Jesus appeared to all the apostles, appeared to about 500 people, and then lastly appeared to him. So they were witnesses of the resurrection. They were there when Jesus died. They were there when he was crucified. They saw him rise from the dead. And they told the subsequent generation that it was true. I saw him with my eyes. He rose from the dead. I saw the oaths in his hands. It's not a myth. It's not a parable. It's true. Jesus rose from the dead. So they were witnesses of his resurrection. Me and you did not see Jesus when he was crucified. Nobody here is above from what I think, 50, what I think. Jesus was crucified some 2,000 years ago. You heard it. You read it. You believed it. What you believed is true. But there's a point where it goes beyond what you say. Your life proves that the resurrection is true. Your life now becomes an evidence that the resurrection is true. The things that the apostles did subsequently after the resurrection simply ended the debate as to whether Jesus rose from the dead or not. People will see signs and say, truly, if it was the name of Jesus that did this thing, that means Jesus is really alive. No dead man can do this kind of thing. So, your life must not just become a vocal expression of what happened at the resurrection. It must become a tangible expression that somebody will see you and all their doubts about God and atheists will meet you, just meet you, talk with you for five minutes and say, ah, I've been deceived all this while. Atheism is a lie. God is alive. That's why the Holy Ghost was given. All the speaking in tongues we do in church, if it does not translate to these things, we are wasting it. The atheists are multiplying because there is a lack of witnesses. Satan can do what he wants. But, uh, like they say, only fools doubt proofs. 
And I don't think it's even a fool that would prove. It must be a blind person that would prove. If you see what we are talking about in experiential tangibilities, it will be clear. So, what I'm saying here is this. A witness is an evidence, a proof, and a sign about an event. And somebody who testifies that an, av- an event actually happened. Now, to be a witness is impossible. Now, okay. To be a witness of Jesus. Remember the topic is witnesses by the Spirit. Everybody say witnesses by the Spirit. Pray in the Holy Ghost for a few seconds. Nobody's doing that. And it shows how far you have drifted. Pray. Pray in the Spirit. If you pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Your mind will be restored back to the place of revelation, back to the place of impartation. Bring us here, O God. Help us to stay. Help us to stay. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now you can be a witness of Muhammad without power. You can be a witness of Buddha without power. You can be a witness of a Rumila without power. I believe that many of the African gods, once you can dress in some ugly creatures, you can put chalk here, put chalk here. You can have a shrine. And use fear to manipulate people. You can be a witness for them. But if you are going to be a witness for Jesus, you will need power. To present the Jesus that is powerless is to misrepresent Jesus. You cannot talk about being... Jesus knew this. That's why he told the apostles in Luke chapter 24 verse 49. Tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from an eye. The loudest voice in the realm of the Spirit, is the voice of power. Power. Power is loud. Very loud. And so, to be a witness, is not just to open your mouth and say, He rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. The apostles recognized that what Jesus was doing was powerful works, or were powerful works. They saw him. It's not like they told them. They saw that he spoke to the storm and the storm would be still. They saw the kind of miracles he did. And Jesus did crazy miracles. Some of the language employed in describing the miracles of Jesus would not really paint the entire picture. Jesus grew arms and legs. Like arms that were amputated. He grew it out. He was creator. When he met a man who was born blind. There was no eyeball in his, in his socket. He put spits on saliva and created eyes there. That was a miracle. It was a spectacle. People were like, what? Because then it's, it's not like the man is, he has eyes but he cannot see. There was no eyeball in his socket. That was the kind of stuff Jesus was doing. So the apostles now, when Jesus now said, hey, you people will continue after me. Hey! The apostles now, continue after you. What we saw you do? That one go hard though. He knew he was hard, so he said, wait for power. Wait for power. You can't represent Jesus being a weakling. It's many of the things. That's why 
People are being forced and coerced to come to church, forced to serve Jesus. My people shall be willing in the days of my power. It's not all the grand grand forcing people will reduce. There will still be points of encouragement and all of that. But then, people respond to power. The apostles could not represent Jesus without power. Acts chapter 4 and verse 33. Acts chapter 4 and verse 33. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them. So, if you think that the apostles were carrying a megaphone, shouting, He has risen, He is risen, He has risen. What other phrase? He has rose, He has risen. That, that's not the idea. Let me give you an idea. Acts chapter 9. <laughs> Let me give you an idea. Of when we say that with great power, the apostle gave witness of the resurrection. Let me give you an idea. And I, I want you to read the book of Acts. It's full of action, really. Um, you, you see that power is loud. Power is the loudest. You don't need to shout when you, are, when you walk in power. <laughs> in verse... Um, Okay. And verse 31 to 30, 34 or 35. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Now it came to pass as Peter went through all parts of the country that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Libya. There he found a certain man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. I believe that there were people who lived in the times of Jesus, who Jesus did not heal. I believe that sometimes, or some of them, he figured out that even though I don't heal this one, my disciples will heal them. This man had been paralyzed for eight years. That means he witnessed the life of Jesus. The one in Acts 3, we shouldn't go back there. I think he was on the beauty gate for how many years? But we'll probably check that out. But look at now, look at what happened in 34. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he arose immediately. Now, if you are observing, you see Peter say, Jesus Christ heals you. Will you doubt whether Jesus is alive or not? Can a dead man, can a dead man do this kind of thing? So the proof of his resurrection was demonstration of power. So what's, and that's why they often mention the name of Jesus. In mentioning the name of Jesus, the people knew what was responsible for the power. In Acts chapter 3, let's see that event. In fact, that one they asked Peter, by what power do you do these miracles? Acts 3 and verse, start from verse 5 to 6. Or well, let's start from verse 4. Maybe we'll see the... Okay, start from verse 2. A certain man, lame from his mother's womb. Okay, if he was lame from his mother's womb, he was lame all his life. He met Jesus probably. He saw Jesus. He heard about Jesus, but he didn't get healed under Jesus. 
And so Jesus was not worried when he left because he knew that he was sending something that would continue to work. All the people that were not healed under him, you know, don't worry. The same power that I worked with, I will send it to my guys and they will finish the work. So lame from his mother's womb was carried home the late daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Verse 5 and 6, please. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Go ahead. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And so he, leaping up, stood up and walked and entered into the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he that sat begging arms at the beautiful gates of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now as the lame man who was healed, he held on to Peter and John. All the people ran together to them in the porch which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when it was determined to let him go. But as we go on, we notice that Peter now preached the gospel from this capital. It is easy to preach the gospel when people have seen power. Acts chapter 8. It's very easy. Sometimes I think we talk too much. Sometimes we try to explain too much. And I will show you the import on the importance of words. But you notice in Mark 16, he says the Lord was working with them, confirming the words with signs and wonders. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 5 to 8, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Look at what happened. And the multitude was one accord, heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. What it means is that they heard the words of Philip because they saw the miracles he did. One of the best ways to evangelize is power evangelism. And telling people, Jesus loves you. Come to my church. Go to Dubai. Welcome to somebody and by the word of knowledge discover that he has an infirmity for eight years. And you say, hey, raise your hand now and that infirmity will be healed. One man was prayer walking. He's one of my prophets in Uyo. He was prayer walking and the, the police arrested him. So, <laughs> when you arrest a prophet, it can be a very dramatic experience. They didn't know he was a prophet. So he looked at the man. He said, eh? You're about to have a baby. That one said, which baby? He just had a joke with you for here. He said, okay. Pick your phone. It's will ring now. And then he said, and then he picked the phone. Until one more, until one more. And the prophet said, police, you better cooperate. Now you, now you go cooperate with me now. The man said, who are you? Who are you? He said, calm down. He said, it's like you also have a pain on your right leg. As he was looking down, he said, the next time you check it, you will disappear. The pain will disappear. The police nailed down. Ah, empower pass power now. You carry the gun. This person, where they talk, will be like ordinary person. He carry with him pass gun. You go kneel down and say, Bros, how far will you be now? Pray for me. 
If you said that person, Jesus is Lord, you just say the person is not going to understand. You know, go preach plenty. Jesus is Lord. Amen. That's the end of the service. What you do? So, when the multitude saw the miracles which he did, verse 7, and unclean spirits crying out with loud voices, many were possessed and were paralyzed, were healed. They heeded to the gospel. In verse 8, it tells us there was great joy in that city. The point I'm making here is this. To be a witness of Jesus, so if it's any other witness, but to be a witness of Jesus, you need power. That's why the Holy Ghost was given. Everybody say power. To be witnesses. Power. To be witnesses. One more time. Power. To be witnesses. Let's stop boxing the Holy Ghost. It's not for church activities. It's not for church activity. I'm trying to sensitize you because I was going to show you that one of the ways you can accumulate power is to understand the purpose of power and align yourself to the purpose of power. Many people are seeking for power. Power to make wealth. Power over sickness. Power over diseases. Power over destruction. But they don't understand the fundamental essence that Jesus gave the Holy Ghost is to be witnesses so that there will be an evidence that is alive. Every atheist that comes to you must say, ah, I don't think what they taught me in atheism school is correct. What I'm seeing here, ah, no, no. (laughs) Somebody was in our church in our last Holy Ghost service. So, a member of the church invited him, according to the report I heard. I think it was the last before this one. He said, all the things that I used to see on television, I am seeing it here. So it is real. Of course it's real. He said, I only, I only heard about it and saw it in televisions and pictures. I didn't know that it could be experienced. Of course, it can't be experienced. That's the, he said, many people, you are calling fake, 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 fake. It's because he never touched you. Every pastor is fake, every pastor is fake. When he touch you, you go, no, say, no, be fake. Fake, they but original self, they. And original plenty, past fake. Yeah. You, do, you just, you, just, you say, every one of them are fake, all of them are fake. It's because you never experience them. When you experience them, then, you will not know, okay. I don't think, I don't think what they told me, the rumors they told me is true. To be a witness of Jesus, power is required. Let us stop this idea of witnessing about Jesus with biscuit and sweets. You can't judge, you give them biscuits. Those things are good. Refreshment is okay. But if, if that's the Jesus, they know. Jesus only biscuits. If that's the Jesus, they know. If the only thing to live in your remembrance is the biscuit that Jesus gave. Even the bread and fish Jesus gave, I hope you know it was a miracle. So you know you did not buy the bread and fish. <laughs> Even when Jesus did simple charity work, it was still a miraculous action. That's the Jesus that we are serving. That's the Jesus we are representing. That's the Jesus we are witnessing. Pray in the Holy Ghost for a few seconds here. Jita katarabadashtekete I would like to encourage you to participate in times of these prayers. Pray as much as you can. Vinde grekete kata 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 rabadashan darabadose lengriki dibaranana sekete ketetes. Let hunger rise in your heart. Maybe you have been misrepresenting Jesus. 
That's why people don't really know who Jesus is. You have been misrepresented. Power is the best way to represent him. It's the best way. Power is the best way. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody say witnesses by power. We've tried to explain what it means to be a witness, but that's just the English definitions. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, where we are quoting from, it reads, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. The word witness in English, we've explained it, but in the Greek means something kind of different. And when you understand this point, you will now understand how you can accumulate the power of God to be a witness of Jesus. In almost every other version, it reads witnesses, witnesses, witnesses. But the word witness here in the Greek actually means martyr. A martyr. That's a M-A-T-R-Y or T-Y-R. Now, who is a martyr? A martyr is somebody, in the general sense, who dies for his faith. He dies for his religious beliefs. So Jesus said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be martyrs in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Okay. <laughs> Don't worry. You are not dying. Hmm? The Holy Ghost did not come to make you die. But, but we have to understand the essence of that word, martyr, as a witness. How is a martyr a witness? How does witnessing and martyrdom sink? So, in a more accurate rendition, a martyr is somebody who is willing to die for his faith. He may not die, he may never die, but he's willing to die for his faith because his conviction about his faith is so strong, not even a threat of death can stop him from witnessing. Willing to die. You shall be witnesses, you shall be willing to die. <laughs> That's strong. You shall be witnesses. Death will not be able to threaten you to shut up. You shall be witnesses. You will not be afraid of death in preaching this gospel. That's what it meant. You shall be witnesses means you will confront death if need be just to affirm that I rose from the dead. I believe that we often produce lily-livered, weakling Christians because this dimension of the Holy Ghost has not been emphasized. And let me drive it home here. What you hear at the instant that you are about to be baptized of the Holy Ghost is very important to determine what you will experience about the Holy Ghost. For some of us, all we heard was that receive the Holy Ghost so you can speak in tongues. For you, that was the entire essence of the Holy Ghost. That's all you ate. So you stopped there. You made no solical demands in reaching out for the riches of the Spirit beyond I speak in tongues. 
And that's why there is a need to begin to re-emphasize certain elements of the Holy Spirit's ministry that the Bible mentions. Here, it did not say you shall receive the Holy Ghost or you shall receive tongues after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Is that what he said? Put it again in Acts 1. It's okay. What is it we receive? Now, if you don't approach the Holy Spirit baptism with this understanding, you would think he wants to give you tongues. Tongues are signs and tongues are triggers of power. But the ultimate end is power. Let's not get used to this Holy Ghost who helps us speak in tongues, but after that it's useless. Kubulu. Ah. What kind of Holy, what version is that? 2449 of Luke. Sorry, in the city of Jerusalem till you be endued with power. Not tongues. Not tongues. Power. From on high. And the power was towards witnessing. What have you heard about the Holy Ghost? Who did they say he is? What did they tell you you would do in your life? What they tell you will achieve in your life. I can tell you this. The Holy Ghost brings power so that you can witness effectively. That's the fundamental reason. Listen to me. The apostles were actually preaching before Acts 2. They were preaching. In Luke chapter 10, he sent them two by two. Go and preach. So if it is just to be preaching, mm-mm. but to preach with a sustained expression of power, a remarkable expression, the apostles also did miracles actually before Acts 2. But the ones that was done after Acts 2 on a different level. The shadow of Peter was healing the sick on a different level. Different level. It was not just the regular one. <laughs> it, was the, it was in the grave that Jesus did. You know, before Acts 2, they were doing power as apprentice. <laughs> you know, if you give a tailor to an apprentice, he can sew clothes, he will still sew something. The one that the apostles, that's why in Matthew 17, they brought one boy. They said, Jesus, we brought him to your disciples. Your disciples could not heal him. They were still in caution. They asked Jesus, why couldn't we heal him? He said, because of your unbelief. After the Holy Ghost came, ah, levels change. Levels change. Even in preaching, even in preaching. Peter preached one sermon. 3,000 men were converted. <laughs> one sermon. Ah, one sermon converted 3,000 men. Power. Conviction. <laughs> to be a witness of Jesus, you would need power. However, witnessing here refers to a martyr. A martyr is somebody who is willing to die for his faith. Now, this is where we often miss it. To understand a witness also, let's also read John 1 and verse 7 to 8. This is about John the Baptist. Now, I will give you the implications of being a Messiah here. This man came for a witness. Everybody say witness. So, the same word, Messiah here. To bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. So he was sent to be a martyr of the light. This man came for a martyr, or as a martyr, depending on how you want to infuse the words there. So, John did not come for himself. He says he was not the light. 
He only came to be a witness of the light. He came as a martyr to manifest, to represent the light. What does that mean? An element of martyrdom is that your life ends. You cease living for yourself. This is why power is now scarce. This, we will now understand why, okay, there is little power. We will now see that the degree that a man expresses the power of the Holy Ghost is the degree to which he lives for Jesus. You know that in, when the apostles, when the apostles gathered around Jesus, they left everything. They had no other life. There was no other life. For people to gather in Acts chapter 2, 120 people, Mary too was there, praying. They, they had no other life. The only life they had was the Jesus life. Their life had ended. You know the problem with us? We are still alive. You are talking about power of the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost power. Holy Ghost power. Follow me. Eh? The thing is that that power only falls on dead men. It doesn't fall on people who are still, all they are living for is for their stomach, they want to make it and blow and explode. <laughs> because the essence of the power is to witness another life, is to be an evidence of another life. It's not for personal profit. Power is not given for personal profit. It's so that you can represent Jesus. So if you have not died to your own self, to your own plans, to your own ambitions, you can't express in full measure the power of the Holy Ghost. All they did when they gathered in the upper room was to express that they had no other life. There's nothing else we can go to. Peter used to be a fisherman. They left it. There was nothing else. I'm not saying all of you will do ministry. Or some of you will do. You won't know now. Don't worry. You can't run away. You can't hate it. You can't fight it. It's too late. The seed has been planted, it has been watered. It's just about to germinate. It will germinate with chukuchuku. If you touch it, it will hurt you. You have to leave it and let it grow and bear fruit. That's the way. But I'm saying here that if you are a medical doctor, you can be an evidence that Jesus is alive. That's what we, that's what we say with witnesses. You know that he said in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. He's saying every sphere of influence, there will be proofs that I rose from the dead. I'm going to scatter my people everywhere. Put them here, put them here, so there will be proofs. When they see them, they will say, ah, he rose from the dead, truly. Somebody will see you, and their doubts about the fact that Jesus is alive will just disappear. What kind of a life is this? It has to be the Jesus life. How does a man live like this? <laughs> that's, that's why the Holy Ghost was given. So man, if you want to receive the Holy Ghost just so that you can speak in tongue and chase your village witches, or you can speak in tongue and protect yourself, you, can re- you will receive a measure of power but it will be a drop too little to achieve anything. In heaven, on the day where people will be counting, this is what I achieved with the power of the Holy Ghost. You will say, I spoke in tongues. Then they will ask you, that's all you did? You say, yes, I spoke in tongues. 
Ah. <laughs> Is that what you want? Is that life? When Paul will say we subdued kingdoms, you will say, I spoke in tongues. Ah! Uh, that one. No. I don't want that one. When people will say we shot them out of lions with the power of the Spirit, what will you say you did with it? When people say we turned entire cities upside down for Jesus, what will you say you did with the Holy Ghost? Aside from that, you spoke in tongues. Stop emphasizing the trigger. Emphasize the purpose. Witnesses. Witnesses. That's why he gave us power. That's why he gave us power. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. That's why he gave us power. There's a hunger rising. There's a hunger rising. Pray in the Holy Ghost. It's a trigger to power. It's, the, it's, a, it's supposed to lead to something. It's a means to an end. It's a means to an end. Witnesses of Jesus, witnesses of Jesus, witnesses of Jesus, witnesses of Jesus, the rise of witnesses, the emergence of witnesses. In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. Every sphere of influence, witnesses rise by the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Maintain your momentum. You can pray under your breath. So John the Baptist did not live for himself. Do you know that one of the, the only reasons John was born was to forerun Jesus? If you ask John, why are you born? You say, eh, there's somebody that's coming to me, coming after me, he's greater than I am. Once I introduce him, my work is finished. He was not living a life. He was living for another man. That's why as soon as he baptized Jesus, there was a permission to cut off his head. That's why he said, my law. That was, that was that's the life that compels power. We are looking for power for ourselves. We want to make it in life. We want to hammer. We want to blow. Witnesses. Witnesses. That's the martyrdom. To die to self. Philippians 1.21. This was the life of Apostle Paul. Look at how we described it here. Simple phrase. If you see Paul expressing power, it was the power of a martyr. Not somebody who has died, but somebody who is willing to die. Philippians 1 21. It says, for to me, to live is Christ. It's probably not there, but then that's just the scripture. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. Ah. Kill me, Paul. You know that plan for your life? I know that. To live is Christ. For many people, Christ is just a part of their life. But for Paul, Christ is the life. Some people take Jesus as the spiritual part of their life. <laughs> that one cannot experience witnessing power. 
Christ is the everything. is the whole life. Uh, spiritual side. I will, I will love Jesus. My, I have spiritual goal. My spiritual goal is to love Jesus. That one. You, are you, are you speaking down so but Witnessing power. It comes with that don't have life. What you cook, they are matthias. If they, see, it must get to a point where if they ask you, what do you live for? You won't rehearse to say it. To live is Christ. That's what you say. It's not like something you'll be thinking about. If they ask you, what is your purpose for life? you just say, to live is Christ. All the, you see, many of the, what, what we are calling success, most times it reveals our carnality. Just so shows how far we have, we have gone from the principles of a witness. Why do you think Paul, after he was apprehended in Acts chapter 9, you think Paul was living for any other reason except for Christ? That was all. With what Peter went through in life, there was nothing else to live for. If we can't preach the gospel, let's just die and go. Why am I here? That's how they lived. So when you see them compel power, now let me teach you this. Witness, martyr, witness, representative. When you begin to live as a martyr, what happens is that it is not just the realm of power, because power is a general commodity in a sense. What is not general is authority. The license to use power. Power, 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 power. Yes, only the power. But what is now, what, what gives a specific edge is authority. Everybody say authority. authority. Now that one, nine Peter, we say, in the name of Jesus, that is in the authority of Jesus, get up, walk. It means to act on Jesus' behalf without asking for his permission. And that's the real power. You won't ask you, say, can I use this? <laughs> you will just go and do it. It's what Elijah did. By my word, before God do my stand, there will be no rain. Elijah did not, he did, not, he did not ask God. He just went and acted on God's behalf. And that's the real power. You have authority, license to use it. That's what the apostles had. That's what, they, that's what the Holy Ghost is supposed to operate through with you. But if you limit it to power for making it break through, personal, uh, all those things you underutilize the power of the Holy Ghost like that. Everybody say power, power. for witnessing. Power, power for witnessing. To live as a martyr. I have no life. I have no life. Well, you see, when you get to this point, you think go they flow nothing nothing. You have no life. You can't be living your life, living on your own terms. John the Baptist, had, that's all he lived for. From, the, from his conception, he was introduced to the person he was, he was living for. His mother went to Mary. He held the lip of the baby. They introduced themselves. You don't come, I don't come, or oh, you do, we could come after nine months to make we do work. They knew John the Baptist did not come, he didn't have a personal ministry. When he saw Jesus, he told his disciples, This is the Lamb of God. Follow him, leave me, follow him. I'm done. You're done with me. You don't need me again. Follow him. That's how to live as a martyr. No personal plans, no personal goals. Just living for the one who died for you. That's what it means to be a witness. <laughs> a witness. Not too many things are choking this power. What I want to help you do is to release all this. Your personal, 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 me, me, my, my. Selfishness will hinder the flow of God's power. Living for yourself, 
by yourself, on yourself, to yourself, with yourself, in yourself. Come on now. Somebody died for you so that you will live. Why don't you live for him? The early church knew, once they knew the meaning of Christian. What we are teaching is not ministry principles, it's Christian principles. That's why I say you may not hold Mike like me, but where you go, you will just be a witness for Christ. Anywhere you go, the academia, medical world, politics, you'll be a, you'll be a proof that, oh, this Jesus is still there, he's still there, and I'm a witness. I'm, an, I'm the evidence that he did. I'm the evidence. If you have doubts, look at me. When Daniel showed up in Babylon, he introduced the God of Israel. Ah. How you know go no God of Israel? Where Daniel did now? You never hear God of Israel. Go meet Babylon. Go meet Daniel. He go show you. That's the life. There is no greater way to live than being a witness of Jesus. That's really Jaye. Your life is too boring because you're living for yourself. You, if you want this spectacular life, stop all this selfish living you are doing. Come and live for Jesus and see. You think your life is interesting? You think you are topping life? Ah. You know sometimes I just think about heaven and how heaven is not just going to be beautiful because of Jesus but because of the many people who also live for Jesus. How I sit down with Paul and say, tell me about your own experience. Jesus is amazing, wonderful, but he gave his spirit to his disciples so that they can do his works. So not only are we going to be amazed at the works of Jesus, we are going to be amazed at the works of the disciples of Jesus. The world should be amazed at your works, your own works, your own works. That's life. They will now say, this was the man, after you have now died by 98 years, this was the man who lived, he married, he bumped the king, and he went home. Ah. Okay, they were at the spoken tongues. <laughs> Is that one life? Is that what you want? Is that one people do? And the day Kenneth Hagen was buried, hey! you see, people thought Kenneth Hagen was an anointed man, proud to his death. When he died, people were confused. They were not sure whether it was the man who was an angel. One lady came to the burial ground and I said, Oh, this man has died? Ah. He said, When I was born, I was born without eyes. My mother just took him to me. He only touched me. All he did was touch me. And eyes came. Nobody knew of that story. It was not written in any book. Only God knows the thousands and thousands of people that have gone through similar experiences. I want when I leave this earth, somebody will come to me and say, Ah! That guy don't go! Hey! His life was a wonder. That's what I want. His life was amazing. His life was a miracle. But it can only happen if I live as a witness, a martyr. If I live as not somebody who has a life, but somebody who lives to be the evidence of another life. A martyr. A martyr. When, I, when you hear martyr and death and willing to die, don't think about that. I heard Reverend George say, it is harder to live for Jesus than to die for Jesus. It's harder. You know, because dying is one second. They cut your head, for instance, that's all. That's all. Living for 40 years consistently and your life is continually an evidence that Jesus is alive. That's, that's something more exciting. That's why I tell you, don't, when you hear Matthias, I don't just think I want to die, I want to die. I'm over, no, no, no. I will leave as the evidence. All the doubts around me, when they see me, when they see me, they will say, ah, oh, he's alive. He's alive. A Matthias, a witness. 
witness. So, a Messiah can act on behalf of his Lord. Can, he has the authority. I like that Acts chapter 9 account uh, where we read about Peter. I like the method that Peter used. You know, because we are used to, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Put it again, Acts chapter 9. And he said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk in Acts chapter 3. But the language he used in Acts chapter 9 and verse 30. 3 to 34. It's more intriguing. Go to verse 34. Peter said, and then asked, Jesus the Christ heals you. Jesus the Christ heals you. When did he heal him? He just came and said it. He took it. He acted on behalf of Jesus. Jesus the Christ heals you. Pick up your bed and go. Let me say a couple of more things here. There are four or five features of the apostles and the early church we see in Acts. I just want to mention them. These features affirm the reality of the power of the Spirit unto witnessing. What I want you to do is to look at these features. Crave them. That will be your trigger into being impacted with power. Witnessing cannot happen without power. You may not see power in tangible terms, but you can see power um, based on what it produces. You don't see electricity, but you see light. So you know there's power. When you look at the features of the apostles, you can know some of the triggers or some of the things that are found that they were powerful people. This would help us to be effective witnesses. But as I mentioned them, I like you to crave them desire them walk in them and you see God's power more in your life number one the apostles were passionately in love with Jesus passionately let me use the word crazily in love with Jesus this was because they had received the power of the spirit it is the power of the spirit that baptizes you into this reality of falling in love with Jesus madly falling madly in love with Jesus when I look at the apostles witnessing about Jesus, I notice that they witnessed out of love. You know, if you have ever been in love, love can make you do crazy things. Me. Me, okay. I will not be talking for six hours on the phone. Probably have not fallen in love before. You will not know six hours went. Six, you, six hours will be like six minutes. Time to love, time to love. Me or more, or ni more. Because you're in love. All the crazy stuff you saw the apostles do. Really crazy stuff. Look at what happened, for instance, in Acts chapter 5 and verse 18. This one was, I was looking at it this morning, I was like, ah, ah, oh God. Acts 5 and verse 18. And they laid their hands on the apostles. And puts them in the common prison. <laughs> but at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go stand in the temple and speak to the people of the words, rather all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders 
of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. Now, you know what amazed me in this story? Somebody entered jail because he preached gospel. They release him. He go back. They preach gospel again. Are you not crazy? You know, go over as one day. I believe that even the angel discovered that these people are madly in love. So he said, as I'm releasing you, you know what they do? I'll be back to the square. Go and preach again. <laughs> Small challenge. You know, come church again. You are not in love with Jesus. I know that God is in love with us because of the extent he goes to forgive and tolerate over and over and over again. Hardship does not stop a lover. Anybody that quit a relationship out of hardship was not in love. <laughs> when you are in love, you endure to the end. It's just how love works. When a marriage vow is said and they say, for better, for worse, till death to us part, what, that, what they mean is that if you really love each other, there will be nothing like divorce. Divorce is simply a proof that people really do not love each other. There was no love. Whether the person that is beating the wife or the person that is emotionally abusing, there was no, there was no love. That's why. Love will make you do crazy things. Acts chapter 4 and verse 30. 30. No, let's do Acts chapter 4, verse 34, please. Look at this one. Now, where? Now, was there any among them who lacked? For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet and they distributed to it as anyone had need. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. You see, this kind of mad generosity that was displayed in the early church, it was because they had been baptized in the power of the Holy Ghost as witnesses. They were crazily in love with Jesus, madly in love with the church. These days, we have to whine people to give. We have to sing some. Give, it shall be given back to you. Good measure, praise down, lift up your offering, profess out your offering, decrease your offering, send your offering on errand. <sighs> people are not in love. For God so loved the world that He gave. When you are baptized in the Spirit, they will be begging you, stop, stop. Otito, don't give again. We have enough. It's okay. Sold the land, brought the proceeds. Sold land, brought the proceeds. We read from the next chapter that they brought all the proceeds. Because the man who came and brought half and lied that it was all died. We soon get there. Sold land, brought, he didn't bring tight, brought the proceeds. Hey, now only love. It's only love that can drive, that can drive someone to that kind of an extent too. Of generosity. One of the ways I know somebody is not yet a matire is that in pockets, in pockets, never born again. Matthias don't withhold what is profitable. What? Oh, they are willing to spend and be spent for the sake of the gospel. That's a Messiah. We have people that are calling themselves kingdom billionaire. Kingdom billionaire, where they give 2% of earnings to God's work. Now, kingdom billionaire. He said, the kingdom billionaire. This one sold land, gave all. You say, you be kingdom billionaire, you are giving 2%. What kind of... Just say you're a billionaire, a Christian billionaire. Don't be saying kingdom billionaire. The kingdom financier, that's what they call them. Kingdom financier, giving 2%. <laughs> Do you know what it means to be a... This man sold all 
and brought the proceeds. The person will sell all and brought half and lied. He died. Show you the, the high standards of generosity. Because in verse 35, he says, the generosity was so much that nobody lacked. For nobody to lack, oh, the generosity must have been mad. Really mad. But it was not compulsion. It was baptism by power. By the Spirit. When you are baptized like this, you will be in love with Jesus. I always use sports as an example because I know that many people love sports. If you want to gauge whether you love Jesus, just compare. Guys, compare your fanatism for your football club. I know they post for status. I know they post for status. Now, for your status, the first series, the series Madrid win La Liga. You love them. There's nothing like, I, I, I love them, but I, now I they code them. You never love them, right? You don't code what you love. I always tell people that in the relationship, if your fiance or boyfriend is ashamed of you, does not identify with you in public, baby, now scam. You will join the list of use and dump. I love him, but I don't want them to. I don't want anybody to know. Huh? Jesus loved us, came and identified with us. <laughs> he left. Do you know what he left? He came and identified with us. For Jesus, imagine Jesus using the toilet just because he wants to identify with us. Jesus, God, eating, sleeping. You now say, I, I, I love Jesus, but I don't talk about him that much. Give me a break. Cut the crab. I love Jesus. You just compare with your favorite sports team. Compare. You know now. You know the things you flaunt. You know. And I say you love Jesus. You can tell me. I will say okay. But when you say it, angels will laugh. Angels will laugh. And say, what are you talking about? But uh, you can't be forced into love. You will be baptized by the Spirit. This thing that the apostles did. You see them. Generous. Give themselves away. In the beginning, it was not so. Peter could not even be an evidence of Jesus in the eyes of a little girl. He denied his master trials. When the Holy Ghost came, everything changed. Willing to die. Okay, if you want. Now he was willing to die. It's a proof that you need a fresh baptism when your love is not fervent. When your love for Jesus is not fervent, you need another touch. You have collected the spirit baptism prior to that time, you need another touch. I'll soon show you that the spirit baptism can be consistent and subsequent. When your love is, your love gauge is low, that witnessing power is reducing. Number two, boldness and fearlessness. That could not be threatened. That's a, that's a sign that we see in the apostles. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. I like the statement that the Sanhedrins said about the apostles. Just the verse 13 of Acts chapter 4. When they saw the boldness of Peter, everybody say boldness. boldness. And John, they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. They marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Their conclusion was that they had been with Jesus. But the real game changer was that the Holy Ghost had baptized them. Because when Jesus, when Peter betrayed Jesus, he had been with Jesus too. But this one happened after Acts 2. When there was witnessing power, there was a certain boldness. The Bible says they saw the boldness. 
all the wonderful miracles of Peter. Boldness knew. Looked at a lame man and said, In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. A man who has never walked in his life. How do you tell a man who has never walked in his life to rise up and walk? He wouldn't even teach him how to walk. When he saw that the man did not understand, because he never walked, he carried him by the hands. Up! Boldness! Didn't you think about it? What if he, he fell down and he broke his leg and he did not walk? You will not say, Now those Jesus people, wicked people! Boldness. Uh, boldness is also a function of the Spirit's power. If you don't have it by the Spirit, you don't have it. It's not gra-gra. It's not bold face. Boldness is a function of the Spirit's power. When you are baptized in the Spirit, baptized in power, boldness flows naturally when you should express it. Acts chapter 4 and verse 29 to 31. 29 to 31. Now, Lord, look on their threats. So they were threatened. And grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. By stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through your name, through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. Pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. Witness, 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 witness. Hallelujah. Go back to the reading. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. It was the function of prayer and being filled with the Holy Ghost. It was not a function of, I want to be bold now. I'll be bold now. No. They prayed, they were filled with the Holy Ghost, then they spoke the word with boldness. Interestingly, miracles often work with boldness. That power to be a witness in, in signs and wonders and demonstrations of the Holy Ghost often operates by boldness. I was reading a friend of mine this morning on Facebook who went to an hospital. He was supposed to be, do a crusade, but his father was sick. <laughs> yeah, the, the story may sound conflicting, but just listen. His father was sick, so he could not do the crusade. It was supposed to be a healing crusade, so... He followed his father to the hospital. As I told you, he walks by the Holy Spirit. So he followed his father to the hospital. And then he saw two Muslim women. He knew they were Muslim because they were wearing a hijab. So he just knew that one was sick. So he said, you are really in pain so in your right hand, right? She said, yes. And boldness, out of nowhere, he just said, raise that hand up now. And she raised it, boom. And as, you know, it occurred to her that who are you to tell me to raise my hand? And as she dropped this, the pain was gone. So she was like, who are you? So the sick father said, oh, my son is a pastor. <laughs> Boldness. It was, that man will not have planned to tell a Muslim woman, raise your hand. Boldness will make you say things that you will say. What did I just say? But it will be too late. What is And God will confirm his word with signs and wonders following. They will have family meeting. And there will be an occultic threat. And you come and say something. You'll be the smallest in the house, so you just say something. And when you say it, like, ah, just okay. But the sign that will follow immediately will make them say, eh? What you say? Oh, it's worked. It's worked. Evidence. Witness. Proofs. But this boldness, it comes when the Holy Ghost. It's not something you plan. It's not a plan to be bold. When I get there, I will not be afraid. It doesn't work like that. It's baptism you need. 
When it's come with baptism, it just flows out of you naturally. Boom. And number three here, there was a high level practice of righteousness. In the early church amongst the apostles, there was high level practice of righteousness. It was a proof that they had received the power to be witnesses. Sin is always a problem. One of the ways to be a witness of the resurrection is to live above sin. The standards, I have just one scripture or illustration to prove this point. The standards were so high in the early church that somebody would lie to God and would die. Or somebody would lie to Peter. In Acts 5, put it on the screen. Acts 5 and verse, let's start from verse 2. He kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, and then I asked, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? That's the, that's the sin. The sin was not because he brought half of the money. The sin was to lie against the Holy Ghost or lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. While it remained, was it not your own? Not that it was sold, was it not your own? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Verse 5, and as hearing these words fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon those who heard these things. Verse 6, the young woman arose and wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him to be amongst his fathers. I added that one. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in. Not knowing what had happened, Peter answered, Ah, tell me whether you saw the. Peter said, Define Wala. You saw that the first person died because of life. You went to go and settle the other person again for life. I always help when I say something about the lie, I will help them. I say, when I, when I say that they are thinking about the answer, I say, don't worry. Don't kill yourself, don't worry. Don't say anything. Now look that is in different dimension. So I can I can I can I can if I ask the question, I say this one wants to lie against the Holy Ghost, especially if I know it's revealed to me, I'll just say don't worry. I'll say we'll talk about it later. I'll never talk about it. I don't want to but this Peter is a wicked apostle. Oh, somebody, the old man had died for deception. You now set the wife up. Say, tell me, what are you so delayed for so much? This one don't know what's up. She said, yes, for so much. Peter's, see, Peter was a wicked man here. Peter said to her, how is it that you, I'm just joking you, that you agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord. Look, the fit, that first one, you know that Peter did not say you would die. The man heard the words and died. But look at the second one. Look, the feet of those. Parara, parana, parana. I can say I can say the man died because he lied to Holy Ghost. The wife died because she lied to Peter. Now Peter, keep this one. He said, the feet of those who are coming to carry who carry the husband. Oh, they are coming to Verse 10. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breath at last. And the young men came. Parana, parana. It's like they were ready. Because the first time they came to. Was it their job? I don't know. It's like they were ready. <laughs> Who is next? <laughs> Buried her by her husband with their fathers. Verse 11. And so great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. It was this that was the basis for the practice of righteousness. But it was because of the power of the Spirit. Of course, the, these guys didn't die in the power of the flesh. That's why we, we, you can't say Peter killed them. They heard the words of God. Peter said, you lied against the Holy Ghost. There was so much great witness. Look at the next statement. 
And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders. Now, he said it in the same breath because the death of this couple was a sign and a wonder too. We're done among the people. And they were all with one accord. People did not stop coming to church because Ananas and Sapphira's death. Everybody just sat up and said, everybody, Mura, Mura, Parana, Parana, Ombembe, Emura, Emura, no lie, oh, yeah. no lie, anymore, no lie. That's a beautiful church. A church with the fear of God. Not the fear of men, the fear of God. A great fear came upon them. Everybody sat up. We are not playing here. Everybody says, the power of the Holy Ghost. One last point here. They were also given to expressions of miracles and what I call convicting words. Miracles and convicting words. Now, many times the apostles we saw that worked with signs and wonders, but we also saw compelling words, powerful words. What Paul spoke about in First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 3, our preaching and teaching did not come with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of spirit and power. First Thessalonians, I think in verse 5, chapter 1, verse 5, chapter 1, verse 5, he spoke about the kingdom of God not just being in words alone, but in power. The preaching did not come in words alone, but in power. Okay? In power and in the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, so there were words that were powerful words. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 27, Peter preached, and I told you, his preaching converted 3,000 men. That preaching was powerful. There was no miracle actually that day. There was no, like, anybody raised the dead or something like that. It was just preaching. But it was powerful words. I must have missed that scripture. It uses the phrase, What shall we do to be saved? Acts 2 37. Sorry, not 27. 37. Now, when they heard this, they heard. They just heard. They did not. There was no miracle. No blame was raised. They heard. They were caught to their heart. The only thing that has the power to cut to the heart is powerful words, what is called compelling words. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? 3,000 men. 3,000 men. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Your words as a Christian are instruments of war. When you operate in the Spirit's power, your words are not just words. They say talk is cheap. Well, talk is cheap if it is not powered by the Holy Ghost. Talk is cheap when it is not the word of a witness. The words of a witness are piercing words. You know that I told you that when you are a witness, you act on behalf of Jesus. Yeah. Because you are no longer living for yourself. Jesus can trust you with his power. Jesus cannot trust selfish people. Because they will use that power. They will use power to make money. One touch, one thousand. One touch... They will open business and be selling anointing oil. He doesn't trust people like that with power. There's one swimming pool in Nigeria, in Abuja. You enter for 50k. And people are going there. See, there's money in this country. Don't let anybody think that there's no money. There's money. For someone to be entering swimming pool for 50k. He says, pull up. Hey, why you not read Bible? Good, go and pay it. See, you don't want to hear. You don't want to hear the truth. You go and pay money. Signs, wonders, compelling words. So Jesus also did signs and wonders by words. He spoke to a fig tree. Be thou, no one shall eat of you anymore. Mark chapter 11. It happened. Words. So the words of a witness. You see, 
the words of a witness compel compliance. That's the way Reverend Chulu put it. Compels compliance. So if you hear a town crier, who is a messenger of the king, Gagan, Gagan, by this time tomorrow there's going to be a town. Now, the king will not come out and save himself. He will send somebody. But you dare not disobey. Because the person that came and said it was a representative of the king. Compels compliance. It's just a town cry. Eh? You don't know that the town cry was sent by a king. You are not coming. Oda. Parana, parana, parana. They are coming. <laughs> Compliance. When, when, when a Messiah speaks, if you see the way Paul spoke in Acts chapter 16, Paul will command blindness on a man. You, you this pervert person, you don't want to stop from this show. Deceitful. From henceforth, be blind. He did not, he won't even pray to Jesus. He won't say, Jesus, oh, by your hand, touch this man to be blind. He will speak on behalf of Jesus. Be blind. And the man was blind for a season. Authority. Stand to your feet. If you have a hunger for real power, pray. Just pray. It's not in my hand. It's in the baptism of the Spirit. But pray. Tongues are triggers. Triggers into baptisms. I'd like you to pray really. Pray boldly. Pray fervently. Pray with a desire. I must be a witness. I must be a witness. There will be no more impartation. We don't have time for it. Just trust God for your own personal touch. What we, are, what we are about to receive today is not for church. It's not for church uh, manifestation. It's when you go to your hostels, when you go back to your family, family meeting, when you go back to your street, they will say, Ah, truly, Jesus is alive. I want to be a witness, Jesus. I have learned that that's why the Holy Ghost came. I want to be a witness. I'm no longer living for myself. For some of you, that's why you will pray. You will say, I'm no longer living for myself. Enough of my own life, enough of my own plans. I'm living for Jesus. To live is Christ. To live is Christ. To live is Christ. To live is Christ. If you are praying, pray. In Acts chapter 2, they waited in prayer. You can imagine how they were praying. You can imagine how they were praying. You can imagine how they were praying. Don't pray like nothing is at stake. There's something at stake. There's more to your life. There's more to your life than having a degree. Back in the PhD, getting married, there's more to your life. You are supposed to live as witnesses, 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 witnesses. witnesses. Lembra kata kata yala manana shikede kene nenumra la kata kata yakata yakada ramanoste grekete kotalos lekete kata yakata rakata yakada brandos labra kodobadi ede kete kada yakata yakata lapados ah come on pray some more here pray some more here pray some more here some things are probably challenging your gold. 
Some things are waiting for proofs. Are you going to keep giving excuses or you will say it's time to show proofs? It's time to show proofs. Hold your hands with somebody and pray. Hold your hands with somebody beside you. Oh yeah, oh yeah, pray, pray, pray. Yeah. Let's get this done quickly. Get it done quickly. Get it done quickly. Pray in one accord. Pray in one accord. Share the passion. Share the hunger. Landa kata kata yakata baladabash. If you are not participating in this meeting, don't distract us. You can excuse yourself. If you are not participating, don't distract us. You can excuse yourself. Because I cannot guarantee what will happen in terms of the kind of power. It is destructive because you are not participating and you are distracting. It's not healthy. I will only say it once. Lembra kata kada ya baladash. Jikete kete kada ya kanam randa dadaba. Leke keke to brando stakata kata. If you don't pray in the Holy Ghost and you want to pray, you want the Holy Ghost to baptize you with that sign. You can start from there and say, Holy Ghost, help me to pray in tongues. But that's not the end though. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. Linga rabado stakete. Oh Holy Ghost, oh Holy Ghost, oh Holy Ghost, witnesses, raise witnesses, equip witnesses, anoint witnesses. Aha! Rande kete kata kata krastas. Ligara da 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 da. There's a sword, there's a sword I'm sensing. There's a sword I'm sensing. Tap into it, tap into it, tap into it. If you can be quiet, be quiet. If you can pray under your breath, pray under your breath. I'll just say a few words. I'll just say a few words. Stay sensitive, stay sensitive. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Oh, Jesus, thank you. As these words are spoken, let the proofs, let the evidence emerge. Let it emerge. Let it emerge. Stay sensitive, stay sensitive. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Boundless! It's going to rise from your soul. Boldness. Emerge. 
Emerge. Emerge. When I say boldness, you say Holy Ghost. Boldness! Just wait. Expect it to rise. When you say it, you wait like that. Expect. You may not even know now that it has come. It is when you will face a situation tomorrow. <laughs> you will, ah, am I like this? Shikata. Boldness! Thank you, Lord. We are shattering that hold of fear and timidity. Stop befitting for a witness. Those people you have been afraid to preach to because you are wondering what would they say. <laughs> Boldness! That's it, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. It's a might in your inner man. It's a might in your inner man. It's a might in your inner man. When I say passion, you say Holy Ghost. Passion! Baptism of passion. I've been ashamed of Jesus long enough. Maybe he died for you on the cross. What's it? What's it with the shame? When I say wonders, you say Holy Ghost. Wonders! Miraculous power. Miraculous power. You'll be a sign and a wonder. A proof that Jesus rose from the dead. You go back to your schools and they won't be able to recognize you. A wonder, a wonder, a wonder, a wonder, a wonder, a wonder, a wonder. Wonder! When I say righteousness, you say Holy Ghost. Every of those stupid, sinful addictions will break. The capacity to stand for Jesus in the perverse world will be enforced. The Holy Ghost is holy. Holy Ghost. He brings power for righteous living. He raises the bar so high so that you are blameless. Righteousness! Ah, many people need this one here. Many people need this one here. Some people have given up on their purity work. Something is stirred up in your soul. Righteousness! Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Your appetites are changing. Your appetites are changing. You desire purity. You long for it. You search for it. You seek it. You pay for it if necessary. Because the Holy Ghost is working, working, making a witness. It's happening. It's happening. Baptisms of witnesses. Baptisms of witnesses. Righteousness. Baptisms, all over, all over, all over, all over, all over. It's inner capacity, inner capacity. Aha! A refurbishing of your soul. Baptism of passions, boldness, purity. But the Holy Ghost, you won't be coerced to be generous. A new found obsession, Jesus. 
If your hands are burning hot, just raise it. If your hands are burning hot, raise it where you are. Just raise it. Uh, I see them, I see them, I see them. Those are the only people that God seems to have me to touch here. Passion and boldness and wonders and purity. Passion and boldness and wonders and purity. Oh yes, 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 oh yes. If your hands are up, keep them up. I'm just going to touch it. That's all. Just touch. Just touch. Passion and boldness and purity and wonders. Yay! Passion and boldness and purity and wonders. It rises, it rises, it rises, it rises. It's for after church use, after church use. Huh? After church use. You will have to touch a few people, lay hands on the sick after church. Some of us are hostel members who don't believe that Jesus can heal. It's for them, it's for them. It's not for here, it's for them. Ah, is there another sign? Okay, if what you are feeling is on your legs, raise your hand. If the sensation is on your legs, passion and purity and wonders. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory, glory, thank you, Jesus. Ushers, you will have to help me. If I cannot see somebody, you have to punch to me. Passion and purity and boldness and wonders. Baptized as a witness. Baptized as a witness. Baptized as a witness. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Passion, boldness. Purity, wonders. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Stay behind this man. Stay behind him. Take two minutes and just consecrate yourself. Jesus, my life is for you. I don't have a life. It's your life. My life is on my own. To you I belong. I give myself. I give myself to you.
salvation and purity wonders. We trust that you've been blessed by this teaching. We look forward to receiving your testimonies, prayer requests, and feedback. You can send us a mail at judamaye at yahoo.com. That is J-U-D-A-H-M-A-Y-E at yahoo.com. Till next time, remain in the consciousness of God's word and power. Thank you.